0: okay i'm going to read in first Corinthians the tenth chapter i'm going to read these first eleven verses first corinthians ten verse one it says moreover brethren that's you and I in Christ I would not that you should be ignorant or you know unlearned and and uh, it's not bad to be ignorant it isn't it's it's uh It's actually a a place that he has to bring us to, that God has to bring us to, because we just don't know anything outside of him. So, I would not that you should be ignorant. How that all our fathers were under the cloud. We talked about that before. And all passed through the sea. All were under the cloud, and cloud spoke of dependence. They had to depend. They couldn't see us. Nothing in front of them. They just led by the crowd, the cloud. And as the cloud moved forward, they moved with it. That spoke of faith dependence, and they passed through the sea. And the sea there is a type of the difficulty some, something we can't do ourselves. God had to open up the Red Sea for Israel to, to pass over. And and so, and again, and it, we're all baptized unto Moses. And again, Moses was a type. That's what we're going to get into—type. Moses was a type in the cloud, See, he had to be in it too. He was leading them, but he he was just as much dependent on what God used to cause him to be dependent. In the cloud and in the sea, and in the sea means, obviously the the sea was parted and they were walking through on dry ground. The dry ground there spoke of salvation. So we have the Red Sea in Exodus the 14th chapter, and then in Exodus the 12th chapter, one through 13, you had the blood of the sacrificial lamb, that was the blood that that Christ would then pass over and not judge them in Exodus 12, 13. And then the Red Sea, those two together spoke of Christ dying for us. That's the types, that's what those types are revealing. Those are what the types are revealing. And then it says, and all did eat the same spiritual meat. In other words, they all fed, And we all feed on Christ. We're all the same. We all have a need. And we all have to feed on him. And all did drink the same spiritual drink. Okay, even this is going into the fact that when we take the cup and the bread, when we take the cup and the bread, and it speaks of a memorial of what Christ accomplished in his person, even even that, uh, um, when we do that. We have communion. We take the communion cup. This is what this is, again, in type speaking of. For they drank that, of that spiritual rock, that, and of course, that followed them. Notice that? That followed them. So Christ not only goes, he not, he not only follows us, and that means he's taking care of our behind, <laughs> but he's in us, he's with us, and he's leading us. And so... And that followed them, and that rock was Christ. The rock, again, and the type was brought out in Exodus 33, in verse 21. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness, the world system. And just like believers can get overthrown in their experience in the world system, certainly not in that position. Now, verse 6, now these things were our examples our types, to the intent that we, all of us in Christ, should not lust, and that's the flesh that's in us, but that we're not of, should not lust after what? Evil things, because again, where does lust come from? Evil, right? And we said before that lust, Satan tempts us to lust, okay? And, and, And the lie is that somehow you'll be fulfilled with that. When all that the lust does is just keep those passions, those lust patterns in the flesh inflamed and never felt. Because lust is insatiable, can't ever be satisfied. And so whatever replaces Christ in us is something from the enemy that will just never be satisfied. Should not lust after evil things, We, us and Christ, like they did when they were in the wilderness. Neither be you idolaters. And can, can a Christian be an idolater? Certainly not in our position, but can we in our experience? And that is 1 John 5, verse 20. When we don't, fun, when we don't function in the truth that Christ is in us and us in him, in 1 John 5, 20, we won't guard ourselves experientially from idols. In five twenty one of 1 John. And then what is an idol? Anything that's that replaces and is in competition with who we are in Christ. That's what that is. So neither be you idolaters as some of them were. And as it is written, the people sat down. Listen to what it says. They sat down to eat, drink, and rose up to play. And that's what we'll do in the flesh (laughs) when when it's not Christ. When our view is just about us and we're, we're on the earth and that's it. Everything's about us and where we are right now. And not realizing where God is leading us through the world system to our promised land. Our promised land is heaven, and that's where Christ is, all the promises in 2 Corinthians 1.20. We're eternal beings. We're not, we're not products of time. We are eternal ones. We have the, the life of eternity that Christ is in us in 1 John 5.11. Verse 8 of, first, of uh, 1 Corinthians 10 says, Neither let us commit fornication, And how do we do that? Through the lust patterns, getting in the world and getting away from Christ. Spiritual fornication. As some of them committed and fell in one day 23,000. So they fell. And can we fall in opposition in Christ? No, but how about our experience? And we can, any of us. Neither let us tempt Christ. Boy. As some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents, and we know that Satan was a type, he's the type, he's the serpent. In Genesis 3 and verse 14, what does the serpent do? When we look at that in Genesis 3 verse 14, what does the serpent's meat? He has to crawl on his belly. Belly is a, is a metonym for, like, for emotions, it's just anger and emotions. And, and the serpent, what does it say? It says, he, it says that he feeds on dust. And what is our humanity? In Genesis 2, 7, it's dust. And what does the enemy want to do? He wants to get the believer in their experience functioning in the flesh. So awful. So he can literally feed on us. Oh, Lord, help us. Now, one of the psalmists cried out in Psalm 119, 25, My soul, my self-conscious capacity is beginning to cleave to the dust. My physical body, where all those lusts are, quicken me. Please give me life away from the death of that according to your word, you know, and of course the word is Christ. And they were destroyed. Why? Because the thief, who is the serpent in type in John 10, 10, the thief comes to what? To steal, to kill, and what? Destroy. Now, can he do that in my position? No. How about my experience based upon a lie? Can he do that? He can steal me away from Christ. And he can kill the truth experience of truly who, who he is in me. And who I am in him. And to and to make me think that now I'm destroyed. Right? But Christ came that he what? That we might have what? And what kind of life? Abundant. I mean, it's abundant life. Huh. Neither murmur. Ooh. Oh, boy. Ooh. Murmur. And you know what murmuring is it's just, it's not so much putting language to it. Murmuring is just like, geez, oh, it's under your breath, and you haven't yet vocalized it yet, but it's still before him. You're murmuring. I don't like this, I don't like that, I don't like this. I don't like this about my flesh. Yeah, okay, while you're there. I don't like this about someone else's flesh. Yeah, I know. Why are you seeing a believer in the flesh when you shouldn't? Because it takes one to know one. I don't like this, I don't like that. Listen, I don't like it. That is, again, that's Philippians 2, 14. Do all things without what? Murmuring. That's murmuring under my breath. And then disputing. Christians, Disputing. Now it's out. I don't like this. I don't like that. Yeah, neither do I. Yeah. And we're Christians and we're having fellowship, right? No. <laughs> uh, neither murmur, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of... To destroy it. You know, he wants us to get, get us to live in the flesh. Know that it's never satisfied. When it doesn't, what do we begin to do? We start murmuring and complaining. And, you know, usually we blame God, don't we? That was the garden. Remember how we said, you know, when when when, Christ in his pre-incarnate state approached Adam, said, what'd you do? I said, well, it was the woman that you gave me. The blame came. <laughs> Went to the woman. What did you do? Well, it was the serpent. You know, and in the flesh, do we want to be responsible and accountable to God? No. So it has to be someone else's fault. Certainly could never be me. (laughs) Well, now all these things happen unto them for what? Types. That's literally what the word says in the original, for types. And they are written for what? Our admonition. Yeah, we like being admonished in the flesh, don't we? Yeah, and that should stop God because he loves us. No. Where would we be if he didn't? And and are written for our admonition. This is the word, right? The word is Christ right now. The word comes in and admonishes and says, listen, you're living in your self-conscious capacity in Hebrews 4.12. It's everything. Your consciousness is all about you. It's not about Christ. Who you are really in him. You're functioning in, in, in yourself, and that, and you become the determining factor of yourself, and thus others. The word hasn't come in and hasn't separated the two in Hebrews 4.12. And it's very interesting in the midst of spiritual warfare. With taking the shield of faith, in Ephesians 6.16, we need to take the sword of the spirit and that's 617 of Ephesians. And that sort of the Spirit as the Holy Spirit takes the things of Christ, who is the Word, and shows them unto us. And that Word begins to separate. This is not who you are. This is who you are. Remember, we said the I am and with you. So again, all these things happen to them unto them for our types, for our learn, which are written, and God uses them to admonish us. See what happened? This is who you are in Christ, see? See how they rejected me, how they rejected the word? You know, in Hosea 4, 6, it says, what does it say there? They didn't know the word of God. They didn't know it in Hosea 4, 6. It's not that they weren't taught it. Not knowing it meant they didn't submit to it. And then what? They became destroyed. In in us and we can't be in opposition, but in our experience. So upon whom? So now all these things happen unto them for our types, for our learning, and they are written for our admonition. Upon whom the ends of the worlds? We're world going to end. No, it's this particular age that we're in as believers in Christ. It's the word there is age where we get the word Aeonius or aionis or whatever, that particular word. Wherefore, because of this, let him that thinks that he stands, okay, and if I'm standing, do I have proper fellowship in Romans 5, 1 and 2 and 1 John 1, 1 through 3? Do I have proper fellowship? And, And proper fellowship will be the declaration if I'm standing properly in my position in Christ based upon my experience. Okay, think think that he stands, take heed lest he fall. Okay, now we get into the types. And this is where God brought me, and today that's what I did. I I just opened up my little Bible, honestly, I just opened up my little Bible and just started scribbling in it. The correlation of God's thoughts, and that are all of ours. And they're types, and boy, if we had the time, you know, and boy, that's wonderful about time that God's given us. This is 1 Samuel the 30th chapter, 1 Samuel 30, and verse one, it says, And it came to pass when David, and David, again, David is a type of Christ, and everything that God was showing and revealing through him. Did David fail? Gosh, did he fail. Yes. Yes, we know that. You can read, you can read your Bible in 2 Samuel, the 12th chapter, and, and on and on, Second, based upon the, the 11th and 10th chapter of 2 Samuel. He's, he failed. He did. But still, the work of God and him as a type was being accomplished. That's what makes him a type. And we can learn from his life. <laughs> David. And his men came to Ziklag on the third day. You know, the scripture is loaded with truth. And I just tell you again, I just can't, I, I, don't, I can't keep up. Cannot keep up with it. And God said, that's great. You don't have to keep up. But what, what is necessary is for you to receive. That's a fact. So show up. I did this morning. I didn't feel good. I said, show up and receive. Don't go by your feelings. I don't feel good. I know. Show up. All these things seem to be against me. That's a feeling. Can it be? Is God's thought against us? No. Show up. Yeah, but I don't feel right. I just don't feel right. I know. Show up. The enemy doesn't want us to. It doesn't. I don't feel right, so there, you know, and I'm struggling, and there's areas of sin, you know, and I might as well not, not show up. No, show up and receive. James 4 8, draw near to God. Result, he'll draw near to you. Then you can cleanse your hands, you sinners, which you can't do and I can't do. Then you purify your heart, your mind, you double minded, where all that confusion's coming from. <laughs> show up, oh boy. So, David here, the type of Christ, the true David, He came to Ziklag on the third day. I don't know. What did Jesus do on the third day? Rose from the dead. That's right. That's exactly right. I love it. Joints that supply. No, I think it's great. So then you have, what do you have? You have what? You have Matthew 28, 1 through 6. Jesus rose from the dead, just like he kept telling all his learners. But even though they doubted and feared, (laughs) they needed to grow. On the third day that the Amalekites... Who's the Amalekites? The Amalekites is a type of the flesh. That is Romans 8, 9. We have the flesh in us, but we're not of it. We are of Christ. And when we're of him, we begin to function in him properly. So when I read that, when I read the types, this is what I have to go to. I have the scriptures. How do I know that that's a type? Of because look what it says in Exodus 17... And verse 16, and he said, because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Is God at war with us, who we are in Christ? No. Will he have anything to do with the flesh? No. Can there be any fellowship? No. There has to be a sword that comes in and cuts it off in every single area experientially. Okay, and so the Amalekites had invaded the south. Isn't that just like the flesh? God blesses us. He's given us the word. We're thrilled with it. All of a sudden, the enemy uses the flesh to invade. Do you think he even cares? I mean, the one thing about God is this. He will never violate our free will. Do you think the enemy cares about violating and invading our free will with the temptations, the lies? Huh? He didn't care. He didn't care at all. He invades. But God in Isaiah 30 verse 18 waits to be gracious. He waits to be gracious. Okay? And so had invaded the south. That's the flesh. It just likes to invade. And the enemy wants to have us to function in the flesh. Yeah, so that we don't have rest. We don't have peace. Our rest is Christ, our peace is Christ. Invaded the South and Ziklag and had smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. Oh boy. How does he burn us? How does he burn up our experience? I don't know. You know, you know, that's what our lust patterns are in the flesh. They're like a fire, and they consume. They consume, and he has all these things, these attachments and these addictions to cause us to be consumed by them. Because you know, after all, lust is, is insatiable. He says you need this thing. Tells you, you, if you, if you use this, this will help you. And it's insatiable. <laughs> it just is, huh? and it consumes us. It consumes us, our proper experience. A proper image. Again, can't touch the position but the experience. Look what happens. And had taken the woman, the women captive. He had taken the women captives. Very interesting there, the oh boy. And that were therein, and they they didn't kill any of them, the great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. They carried them away. Can a woman without proper headship? be carried away. Yes, just like a man can, but can a woman, all right? Carried away. I'm just giving you the correlations of the scriptures as God gave them to me, all right? And here is is Second Timothy 3, verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such, what? Turn away. Each of us, we need to turn away. And that's in us that's of the flesh that's not of christ that starts with proper headship the head of every man is christ the head of the woman is the man okay and if you're not married guess who your head is oh you can't do any better than that oh oh boy and and that's why it's always good to wait for his choice because he doesn't make mistakes Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Power. Notice, notice that word? Power thereof. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, women, laden with sins, led away by all kinds of different lusts. Now in type, too, now in type, are we his bride? We're the receivers. He's the initiator. Notice that. So at the Amalekites, they came in. They took the women captive, right? And carried them away. Well, they took them captive. Wow. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24. And the servant of the Lord, the one who serves the mind of Christ, serves Christ, and becomes a captive and a slave of him in freedom. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be what, gentle unto all, apt to teach, highly skillful, patient, forbearing, long-suffering, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. How How does the enemy get us to oppose ourselves? In the flesh. Your problem, and my problem, is not other people. It ain't finances, it ain't jobs, it's nothing. You know what opposes us? Is God for us? Is that settled? Romans 8.31, God for us. Who can be against us? Psalm 56, verse 9. When my enemies come in, you know, they're like a flood, then I cry unto the Lord. For this I know that God is for me. Psalm 56.9. Right? So look what it says and make this instructing those that oppose themselves. What is God doing right now? He's instructing us. Why? Because if if the flesh hasn't opposed us yet, through Satan, it will. And maybe it is right now, and he's correcting us, because he's for us. Right? That oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them. Here, he's saying here. Here's the grace to make the adjustment to get out of the flesh. Here it is. Take it. Here it is. What are you waiting for? I want to get a little more enjoyment out of this lust pattern. Here it is. Take it. Give. He's giving. He's being gracious in Isaiah 30, verse 18. To repentance. Change your mind. Make an about face. Cut it off. This thinking in the flesh. Why? Why should we cut that off? Well, these are what the types are teaching us. Here is this. Here is Galatians 4, verse verse 17. They zealously affect you, but not well. That's the flesh. Legalism, anything in the flesh. Yea, they would exclude you that you might affect them. right? But it is good to be zealously effective always in a good thing. That's who we are in Christ. And not only when I'm present with you. Okay, so, yes in tight. Paul's speaking to the Galatian church, those of of Galatia and Greece, and he's speaking to them. Yes, but who's speaking through him? Who's speaking to us today? Who is our head? Where is only good located? In Matthew 19, 17, and 18, in Luke 18, 18, 17, 18, and 19, in Exodus 34, verse 6, it's only in God. That's why all things work together for the good. That's Romans 8, 28. That's God's good. The Greek word is agathos. It's God's good. To them that love God, well, how do we return his love? It's obedience. They all work together for them that are obedient. obedience. That enter into the obedience that's theirs in Christ, in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 6. So it's good for that. And not only when I'm present with you, but when I'm not there. 19. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again, till Christ be formed in you. That's experience. Position's done. Now it's experience. What is the battle? Where is the struggle for the believer? Where is it? Do I blame someone else? Here it is. This is Galatians five verse sixteen. This I say then: Walk in the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit continually teach you and tell you and guide you with who you are in Christ, and then you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Isn't that interesting? For the flesh lust against the Spirit. And the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you even would desire. In the flesh, I don't desire God, the things of Christ. I don't. And in the Spirit, I don't desire the things of the flesh. But I keep going back and forth. We need a sword. And that's Hebrews 4.12, the preaching and teaching of the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit for all of us. And so that's the case. What else also is the case is this type teaching us? Amalek. Remember, Amalek is the type of the flesh. Okay, Energized by who? By the prince and power of the air in Ephesians 2. Look at where we had our start in Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. And look what it says. Even for the believer, this is teaching us this morning. In Romans 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ. That's position. What's my experience? Where does the condemnation come from and what is the result, What is it the result of? Well, here, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from what? The law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, what's that law? The law of sin and death. Well, isn't that the Ten Commandments? Yeah, but whoever did, fulfilled even one of them, all it did was bring out what? Death. Legalism. Separation from Christ. For what the law could not do in that it was weak. Are we weak? What's our only other option when we're weak? The flesh or Christ? Through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness, again likeness, human nature, never a sin nature, of, of, of the likeness of sinful flesh and for a sin sacrifice condemn sin in the flesh. He dealt with us in question, obviously. That the righteousness of the law, in Romans 8, 4, might be fulfilled in us, listen, who walk not after the flesh. Stop allowing the flesh to be, be that thing that governs you and guides you. <laughs> Interesting. But, separation, after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh, Christians, this is Christians, we're in Christ. That's the context in Romans 8, 1. For they that are after the flesh, are constantly minding the things of the flesh. But separation, Hebrews 4.12, Ephesians 6.17, But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is what? Death, separation from God. Now I need something, because I'm not filled in my experience. So i got to do something about it. Go somewhere, do something, doesn't matter. But to the spiritually minded, those that are minding, the Spirit is what? Life and peace. Who's our life? Colossians 3:4, Christ. Who's our peace? Ephesians 2:14, He's our peace. I function in the life of who I am in Christ. What do I have? Peace. And I can rest because I see in my experience what my position is. God doesn't have a single thing against me. The only thing that's against me is when I function in the flesh because the enemy hates Christ in me. Period. And he, listen, you, you and I may think the hating is that we hate what we do. Listen, no, 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 no. He hates Christ in you. It's not even about what you do or you don't do. That's Galatians 5, 6, right? What does it say in Galatians 5, 6? Listen to it. These... Usually I'll, I'll quote these as the Holy Spirit brings them back, but I'm reading them this morning so we can all see them. This is Galatians 5, 6. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision, what circumcision? What I should do, nor uncircumcision, functioning in the flesh, right, avails nothing. But faith, absolute dependence upon Christ, which what? Which expresses itself through love. How does God express his love through me? If I'm not dependent in my experience. That's how he does it. So, Romans 8, verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, minding the things of the flesh, spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind, listen to this, in the flesh is enmity, strong, settled feelings, unchangeable hatred toward God. I can't... You ever say that? I hate what I do. I can't stand what I do. I can't get victory. Well, it's not who you are. It's better to love who you are in Christ and be obedient and submissive and grow and learn because that's the only way it can happen. It's not going to happen from you and I doing a single thing except giving our will over and him in James 4, 6, through ten and first Peter five, six, is humbling ourselves, and his plans designed to do that, instead of living in these strong settled feelings of hatred against God. For it is not subject to God. It's not subject to the law of God, the flesh, is not subject in experience to who we are in Christ. Which law do you want to live by? There's only two laws we can actually live. Well, one of them you're not experienced in life, it's death, the law of the flesh, or Christ. Right? They're not subject, notice that? They're not submitted in their experience to the law of God, which that is in Romans 8 2. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of what? The sin and death, which is flesh. Little oh boy, right? So then they that are in the flesh cannot what? Please God. Nothing pleases me. I keep doing it. I keep doing what I know I shouldn't do. It doesn't please me, but I keep doing it. Why? Well, not submitted. So in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, here it is. The enemy had come in and taken captive the women, small, great, doesn't matter, but carried them away. How many times we could carry it away with our own thoughts? And then the emotions become the expression of the content of the thought life. See? We get carried away so quickly. When we do, when we're not living in that of who we are in Christ that's unchangeable, what do we want? Change. That's right. Proverbs 24, 21. Metal not, don't become intertwined with them that are given to change. That's each of us individually. Stop getting intertwined with the flesh and the spirit, because that's confusion in 1 Corinthians 14 33. God is not the author of confusion. Who's authoring us in our experience? Is it Christ or is it the flesh? Yeah, boy, I'd tell you. So, David in verse 3 of, of 1 Samuel 30, so David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burnt with fire, it was completely consumed. That's what lust does. It consumes us with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Wow. What is that supposed to mean? They were taken captive. What is our provision when the flesh has taken us captive? What is our provision? It's the teaching and preaching of the word of God. And that's why it's in 2 Timothy 2 verse 24. The servant of the Lord must not strive but be gentle unto all, apt to teach. Apt to teach is highly skillful in the word of God. That's what it is. It's highly skillful. And that skill only comes from Christ, by the way. No man has that in himself. And no man functions properly in the gift that comes from Christ until he's submitted. And that skill flows through him, to him, in him, and through him. Must not strive, but be gentle unto all. Apt to teach, forbearing. Oh, part of your te- you have to forbear, not only with your own struggles, your own rejections, and all this, but everybody else's. That's why I said to. That's why I said to Jeremiah, listen, don't you listen? Jeremiah one five two three. Listen, uh, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. That means don't you worry, I knew about all who was going to reject you. Because they weren't rejecting you, they weren't in 1 Samuel 8, 7. They're not rejecting you, Samuel, they're rejecting me from ruling over them. You're not the issue. You preach and teach the word, and you do it whether you feel like it or not. That's an absolute command, present imperative in 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, you think so. I'm with you. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. How do we oppose ourselves? In the flesh. If God, peradventure, will give them by pure grace a complete change of mind, is that based upon our position in Christ? Is that necessary to know? Yeah. Peradventure, God will give them repentance, a change of mind, so that they can start acknowledging the truth of who they truly are in their proper image in Christ. And that they may recover, notice that word, look at that word, recover, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. How does he snare us and keep us captive? Can he touch our position? Are we captive in our position? No, experience. Lust of the flesh, wrong thinking, wrong emotions. The fear of man, Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man brings a snare. But whosoever puts his trust in the Lord will be kept on high. Proper image, proper position and experience. They may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are what? Taken alive. That's what it says. Taken alive, captive by him at his will. Captive. The the Amulets, they came in and took everybody captive when David wasn't there, type of Christ. Experience. (laughs) Boy, oh boy. And led them away, captive. Verse 4, then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice, they were one, and they wept. David wept. The true David, Christ himself in John 11, verse 35, wept. He wept. And when one weeps in the local assembly in the body, when one weeps, we all weep with them. Because we're all one in, in Romans 12, verse 15. It means, you listen, when we function properly individually and come together, we never function apart from each other. We're always for each other. We're always a joint that supplies not only ourselves with the supply that Christ is in us, but others. That's right, because our life is it's about Christ. And when it is, it's about others. Right? Sometimes we find out where our life truly is because God will use the need of others to bring us to that place that's very interesting also Well, they lifted up their voice David did and wept and they had no more power you notice that they had no more power to weep what were they in themselves what were they what are we we're weak Yeah, we're weak God has to bring us to that place That there's absolutely, we're helpless and hopeless in ourselves. We just are. We're helpless and hopeless. So what? So in weakness, he brings us to the reality, to a proper understanding in, in, in our place where we are, is that we're what? He has to bring us to this place that we are what? That we're weak. And when we're weak, what are our options? Turn to the flesh or turn to him? We turn to him. That's, that's what he gives, repentance. We read it in Second 2 uh, 2 Timothy 2.26. He will graciously give us, 2.25 and 26, he'll graciously give us this means through grace of turning and making a right decision. Start thinking properly. Stop thinking in ourselves and making us, ourselves, making Christ, who is our proper object, to be subject to us in the flesh so that we, can, we seek to control him instead of vice versa. (laughs) And there's where the confusion comes in. Well, they wept. They wept because what? Till they had no more what? Power. But let the weak say what? I am strong. That's why Paul said, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's the place of weakness. That's the place where he has to bring us. We can't do anything without him. We may think so, but we are completely deceived to think so. Because we're not even breathing without him. Who designed the body of the lungs, the air that we breathe? Now, when it says, All things were created by him and for him in Colossians 1.16 and in John one three and 4, he means it. Right? He absolutely means it. So here we have, they have no power. What does the word of God say to us? What are the types that we can look to? Well, we can look to Isaiah, the 40th chapter. Listen, Isaiah 40. Look at what it says. In verse 25 of Isaiah 40, To whom will you liken me? I mean, who are you going to replace me with? What are you going to replace me with? Or whom will I be equal Who's equal to God? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high for us in Christ. That's our position in Christ. And behold, who created these things? Well, we just said it in John 1.3 and Colossians 1.16. That brings out their host by number, angels, stars. <laughs> he calls them all by names. By the greatness of what? His might, his extreme, mighty power. For that he is strong in what? Power. Not one fails. You and I won't fail when he's our source, when he's our power. Why say you then, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord? He just doesn't understand. He doesn't know what I'm going through. <laughs> yeah, and you're going by sight. And with the sight, the prayers now are you and I counseling God with worry and fear and doubt. I wonder why, where's the answer? <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, listen. What? It's hid from the Lord and my judgment is passed over. There's everything I'm going through. It doesn't seem to come true. He doesn't understand. <laughs> I'm counseling him now. Whoa, where do we usually do that? Fear, doubt, worry, flesh. <laughs> Look at verse 28, have you not known? I mean, have you ever not been taught? How many of us haven't been taught properly, precisely? Have you not known? Have you not heard? I mean, you, you, you know, if you don't know it, how are you going to submit to it? That the eternal God, not everlasting, the eternal God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth. Faints not. Are you fainting? Luke 18, 1. Men should always pray and not faint. Neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to who? Faint. Those, that are quick, no, faint. Those that are weak, he's going to give you power. Right? He gives power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the ewes will faint and be weary. And we do have those in local assemblies in 1 John 2.12. And the young men in 2.13 of 1 John will, will utterly fall. And, but they'll never fall from their position but in their experience. And, and truthful, as we go forward, as we go forward, and he leads us, we are going to fall. You wouldn't fall. If, you're not going, if you haven't fallen in some area, you're still not going forward. But thank God he goes with you because he's in you. But they that wait, and wait is synonymous with the word trust. And trust has to do with worshiping him and not anything about the self-life. They that wait upon the Lord, what? Renew. Renew. Wow, listen to that. They renew. They, they, they change. They exchange. And no wonder in his grace, in Psalm 102, verse 23, he has to weaken our strength. Because we think that's strength. We think we're doing it. We think we we need this thing and that thing. No. He weakens our strength. And thank God he shortens our days in that way in Psalm 102, verse 23. Thank God for that. Right? But they that wait, trust, and worship the Lord are living in a constant renewal of the strength that is theirs. And with that strength, they will mount up with wings as eagles, they'll fly above everything. Because they're in their position, and in Christ, they are above everything. That's Ephesians 1, 20 to 23. That is Ephesians 2, 5, and 6. Far above, far above. As, As eagles, they shall run and not be what? Weary, faint, quit, give up in the race. That's Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Lay aside every weight. Because if you don't, it will be the sin in the flesh that will easily cause you to be, to be tripped up and stumble in the race. Right? Because we need to look away from all that would distract. Are there plenty of distractions from the enemy? Where do you suppose he projects them towards? The flesh that's in us, but that we're not of. Right? They that wait upon the Lord, they'll renew they'll exchange their strength for his they will mount up with wings as eagles they will run and not be weary and they will walk and not what quit faint give up be a coward turn coward faint and that goes with Luke 18:1 prayer prayer wow only 11 minutes left we're scratching again thank god for that though so they had no more power in first samuel 30 verse 4 to weep And David's wives, he had two, which he shouldn't have, but, you know, his two wives, he took them. And and David was greatly, what? Distressed. What's that mean? He's depressed. Because because what? Because not only did he see what happened and it grieved him, right? Of stoning him. The people spoke of stoning him. What were they doing? They wanted to blame him. <laughs> the flesh came in, right? The flesh comes in, takes a believer out, and then when you don't want to be responsible, guess what you're going to do? You're going to blame the other person. Isn't that interesting? Right? They spake of stoning him because the soul of all people were grieved. They were bitter. It's all that's in the flesh is bitterness. And that's Hebrews 12, verse 15. little anger, anger that's turned inward becomes an infection that infects the whole. You see that in Hebrews 12, verse 15. That's why we give the, the scriptures and the correlations of them because then you can take those and get the full thought of God. He was grieved every man for his sons and for his daughters. And we can grieve for others. But where should we bring that anxiety, that care? Listen to what it says. But David, he separated himself from that depression he was separating himself because of the word listen but david encouraged himself in the lord and guess what it says his god we can teach how we can teach how uh, that we should be encouraged and we can encourage one another but you can't no one can do that for you it's extremely individual he has to be your god he has to be your head he has to be your savior and that's what God's causing us to do. Grow up to learn to lean on our head, Jesus Christ, and not on others. And He's leading us forward. We don't always have to go back. Listen, if we're going back, you're missing present and you're not going forward. That has to be clear. God wants to make that clear in individuals. Crystal clear. Crystal clear. And furthermore, you can always know where God's called you is the right place, even as a pastor teacher. And this is why. This is Jeremiah 15, verse, verse 19. You can read the rest. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, if you return, get your thoughts right. Ed, get your thoughts right. Then will I bring you again, and you will stand before me in your position, and your experience will be the equal of it, and you will be restful. And if you take forth the precious from the vial, A lot of bad teaching out there, folks. A lot of missing teaching, no teaching, bad teaching. If you take forth the precious from the vial, you will be as my mouth. We'll speak the same thing. Because can two walk together in Amos 3, 3, except they be agreed. No. You will be as my mouth, but let them return unto you. If they're getting fed precisely, accurately, let them return unto you, right? But return you not unto them. Interesting. Word of God doesn't, doesn't leave a single thing out when we're available. So David was greatly distressed, but, the, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. And David said to Abba Athar, the priest, he said to the priest, we're going to wrap this up, and I got seven minutes. The priest, Ahimelech son, Ahimelech's son, I beseech you, bring me here the ephod. What's an ephod? Interesting. I said, wow, if what? Boy, I've seen that before. Wow. And God just said, okay, start writing these things down and let me just correlate them through to you and let me counsel you and give you counsel and then through you give others counsel. And then we'll all come together and be around Christ and he'll counsel all of us because we'll all be in an equal place. <laughs> not in terms of gifts, not in terms of place, but completely equal in the Christ that's in us. There's no question about that. But he said, bring me the ephod. An ephod was something, and we'll get into that in a deeper way tomorrow and and through the rest of the week, but an ephod was something that God used to make people dependent on his will because the full canon of the scriptures were not complete yet. But he was still teaching dependence Will being submitted. So could David. David had to rely on the priest. In our sense, Christ is our great high priest in Hebrews four fourteen to 16. And we must rely on him to bring us to the place where we see the ephod. And what is the ephod? And I'm telling you, this is what God said. Stop right there and I'm going to show you, me, and he's showing all of us, right? I'm going to show you what the ephod is and what it represents. And we can get into it in a deeper way because we only have five more minutes. <laughs> this is Isaiah the sixth chapter. Isaiah the sixth chapter. In the year, verse one, in the year that King Isaiah died, God opened, separated time and opened up eternity from each of you. And I saw also the Lord sitting Resting our position in him in Ephesians 2 6 and in Ephesians 1 1 through 23. Upon a throne, and he was high and lifted up. What was he not higher than and lifted up above everything? And his train filled the temple. What's the train? It's an ephod. The high priest had this on, he had that on, this ephod. This train, this robe, Isaiah 61.10, they're robes of righteousness. The righteousness that Christ is. Then we have Luke the 15th chapter, the prodigal left the father's house, didn't he? And what what did he end up in his experience? It was still his father's position was secure, but what was his experience without submission to the father? How would he be submitted to the father? Well, he had rags in his experience, but was that who he was when his father was kissing him on his neck? No, those rags are self-righteousness in Isaiah 64 verse 6. But he said, "Come in, put a ring and a, put a ring on, a mitre on your head, and put a robe." And that's Ephesians 4:20 20 to 24. Put on Christ. Put him on. Put off the flesh. Put on who you are in your own individuality in Christ. Put it on now. Christ, his train filled the temple. Oh God, above it stood the seraphim. That is a manifestation. That's what God taught me. It's a manifestation of the glory of Christ, and it's filling everywhere to the point where even these angels are hovering above it. It's so holy. God, so holy. His train. It filled the temple, filled everywhere. Everywhere was his glory. <laughs> when we function in Christ, where is it not? Above it stood the seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, they covered their face. They, I mean, they can't see God in all their... No created being in John 1.18 has ever seen God in all His fullness. No creature, it says. Not man, created being. They couldn't. But what they could see was enough to cover their face. It's so holy. And when God was giving me the scriptures this morning, it was so intense and so flying. I kept saying, I, got, I, can't, this, I can't handle it. It's too wonderful. And he said, that's, that's what I'm going to show you continuously for all eternity because no one could see me all at once in all my fullness. I said, okay. I'm okay now. With true, they covered their feet. Unbelievable humility. What would it be like? Oh, my God. When should we not be humble? And with truly, they did fly. Instant obedience. I'm going to hear. Here's the will of God. Instantly obey. Instant obedience. Because we know what delayed obedience is. And and one cried one to another. What did they say? What did they kept saying in a song in a worship? Holy, holy, holy. The Is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth, Is filled up with all his glory. It's going to be, really, in millennial reign. I mean, does God see anything but what he sees in Christ? Everything else is passing away, even this world and everything that's in it. And all those things that we cling to that keep us from clinging to him, they're going to be gone too. And you know, listen, the only thing we take out of here is Christ. Because it's the only thing that's worth anything to God. And we were worth. He gave us, God gave us all his worth, his son. That's what he thought of you and I. My God, what do we think of him? They cried, holy, holy, holy. The post of the door was moved at the voice of him that cried. House house was filled with smoke. And then I said, woe is me. It's so wonderful, God. I can't keep up, but don't stop. So Father, thank you for your precious word this morning. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.